From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWin. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to the Miami Real Estate Podcast. I'm Omar DeWitt, Communications Executive here at Cervera Real Estate. We're here with another installment of our How to Be a Top Producer series, where we break down the highly effective habits of the industry's top producers. Joining me for this episode today is the one and only Julian Infante, a Miami realtor and former pro baseball player, rising star now in the Miami real estate scene. Julian, welcome to the show. Thank you, and I'm excited. I'm excited to, to be here and just speak with you and get things started. I think, Julian, like many out there uh, that decide to shift a career and pursue real estate, that can be daunting, right? It can be scary. And mm-hmm. and many new realtors uh, do not succeed in their first few months. But you, on the other hand, uh, I, I know that you just closed a big deal a couple of weeks ago, multi-million dollar property on Miami Beach. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah, coming out of the gate hot, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I really wasn't so fast. That deal was actually kind of being worked on almost a year now. So from the start, conversations start going. And I mean, you know how it is. It's mm-hmm. uncertainty from buyers and and you never want to be too pushy. And I think that's what ultimately led to the sale. And it, it's exciting and I'm excited for them coming down to Miami. So definitely, definitely played out well. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because one of the things I want to talk about today is especially for our listeners out there that find themselves in those shoes where they're, they're thinking about making the jump. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of... Um, of sort of buzz, let's say out there about what, you know, real estate is, you see million dollar listing, you see sort of high profile realtors, but then there's the reality of, of when you, you um, are a realtor, you got your license and it's not like people just start calling you and and there's a bunch of deals, right? Sometimes it can take up to a year or more. Yeah. Uh, When I first started, I I had some good direction, but obviously you don't learn until you're actually experiencing yourself. Mm -hmm. And the reality is real estate, it's like everything. It, you develop a network as time goes on and people hear about you and people are comfortable with what you do. So ultimately, how you are as a person and how you interact with these people is is ultimately going to drive your business. But when you start out, I've, I've had a lot of friends reach out to me and they said, hey, I want to get into real estate. And I try to guide them the right way as through what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's the best way, just kind of trying to help out and you want to be, I think, as genuine as possible. I'm sure you've seen it. There's there's realtors. I mean, real estate sometimes gets a bad name because mm-hmm. people tend to be pushy. And um, the reality of it, and I think in anything in life, you want to try to help these people and be as genuine as possible. And that's what makes a difference. That's what attracts people. Uh, when it comes to a good investment, what is a good real estate investment? Is buying this just a good deal because it looks nice and in reality it doesn't make sense financially for this Mm -hmm. person and I don't want to push people to that I want to make sure it's a financial deal that makes sense it's something that attracts them obviously because of choice and that's what I think drives clients and builds you that network to grow the right way not just making sales to make sales and then it doesn't make sense absolutely and that's that's um, great input and advice for for listeners out there I think going one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was, you know, how realtors can continue to provide value and service to their clients. Of course. One of the buzzing topics now is cryptocurrency, and it looks like it's getting closer and closer to yeah. getting deregulated. So in that 
as that happens, you know, many industries will get disrupted with that concept of cutting out the middleman mm -hmm. whenever there's a broker involved, right? Stock broker, real estate broker, et cetera. So I believe, and we believe, I'm sure I want to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, the realtors that will succeed in this new era are able to really provide the service to the client, kind of going back to your point as to helping mm -hmm. them understand, break down the numbers, understand the purchase, understand yeah. the nuances beyond just, you know, what you see out there, mm -hmm. right? What, what's yeah. your take on that? Uh, first, going back to cryptocurrency, I, I think that that industry and what's going on with those those changes in technology and in space of payment and currency, that's going to be, we might look back in 20 years and say, wow, we should have jumped on board and that's going to be, here might be the deciding factor how how years ago, the, the gold rush, mm -hmm. you know, we might look at that and be trying to purchase these coins right now or just have some sort of hold on it. And it might have really made right now it's fairly low risk mm -hmm. if you're not spending too much money, but there's a tremendous upside. So going off that, there's ways that you have to adjust in everything in life. And the person that's going to be successful is going to move forward and make those adjustments mm -hmm. and understands what's going on. And then they're able to only use that to benefit their business, uh, social media, cryptocurrency, whatever it may be with clients. And then using a computer, using technology alone, yeah, that that might be definitely more common in the future. But when it comes to actually understanding the market, a computer is not going to be able to tell you that. Understanding what area is going to be here in 10 years and where it is now, a computer is not going to be able to tell you that. So yes, you may be able to make a purchase more easier, I think, online and using uh, different companies. But in reality, understanding what you're purchasing, and that goes back to what I said before, a computer is not going to be able to do that. The genuine interest in your well-being, which you want a realtor to have, a computer doesn't have that. Right. So that's the difference in using a, a realtor and a broker because at the end of the day, you may be too busy to be able to research it. You might just not be familiar, more familiar as as we're in this every day. We're speaking to people about the about the market, about the different areas in, in Florida and Miami. So uh, that's the difference. That's why realtors are have a job. Right. And if you do it the right way, I think that's going to continue for, for years and years. Absolutely. And I think, you know, people make a difference. And I think when your realtor is really informed and, and, and we in the real estate community make the effort to continue to get the extra knowledge and stay on top of what's going on, mm -hmm. we can really provide that extra service and confidence to the clients. No, without a doubt. So we're talking to Julian and Fonte here on how to be a top producer for the Miami Real Estate Podcast. We're breaking down uh, tips to success for new realtors. Also, um, amazing advice from Julian, a high-performing major league athlete. Um, Julian, I want to talk a little bit about going back to what I was saying with uh, people making a difference. I was uh, reading through your. You had a beautiful Instagram post the other uh, day, following closing. Um, you know, one of your first big deals, and uh, I just really loved. You know, what you were, you were thanking all of the coaches, players, families, etc., that have sort of helped build you up along the way. I thought that was. Um, you know, that was really touching. I like that sort of, um, you know, that awareness of, you know, how the people around you help. So mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, tell me a little bit about sort of that process um, coming through the sport, rising up the ranks and sort of the key lessons that you learned from these sort of giants, so to speak, and you're applying them now. Yeah, no, absolutely. There were so many lessons. I think specifically the collegiate level, I I look at, I was a part of a very good baseball team, 
but more so I like to tell people that my time at Vanderbilt under Coach Corbin, who was my coach over there, I felt like I got a master's in leadership. That's really what it was because any industry you're in, whether a sport, whether business, whether academics, there's different techniques that lead to success through leadership that these teams replicate, again, whatever industry it is. And that's what I learned at Vanderbilt, which I think I'm going to carry on. I know I'm going to carry on the rest of my life in the way I do things, the way I hope to, to show other people how to do things and the way I interact with other people because ultimately those relationships and how you take care of the small things mm -hmm. leads to ultimate success. And I will never, never forget that. And I'm so thankful for that in my time. Now, there's so many other lessons that I learned. I think just immediately that's what, what triggered my mind because... Tell me a little bit more about leadership and sort of how uh, an example of sort of how yeah. leadership makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, a team that just going baseball, right? How do you take care of your locker and your, your locker room? Mm -hmm. Now, I've been a part of teams that the locker room's disgusting. They leave a, a baseball dugout where we gather and there's trash everywhere. Right, a successful team doesn't leave trash on the floor. Their mm -hmm. locker room isn't clothes thrown everywhere because mm -hmm. then somebody else is gonna have to pick that up for you. Somebody else that has a job, has a family, that's still a person that just like you has a job and they're ultimately just trying to go about their life and you wanna make things easy, easiest for those people. And successful teams do that. Mm -hmm. Successful teams think about those things. And you see it, you see teams that they might be successful one year, but the next year they're completely in a different level. And that's because they're not consistent and they don't follow those things. And then you see a successful team and every year they hold each other accountable for those small things. They have a set of standards that they repeat every year. And that's the difference. I like that. So accountability, you know, um, being considerate of others. What are some of the other ways that, because as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, whether you're a team leader, real estate team leader, an office manager, a sales director, you know, mm -hmm. this type of culture that you're talking about in leadership style, I think yields positive results. So what are some of the ways that you, or maybe that you've observed in, in your time that a successful leader sort of implements this change of mindset and culture within their, their ecosystem? Yeah. I would say, first of all, something that that I thought of is there's no egos, right? So if you're the oldest guy in the industry or you're just starting out, there's different ways to lead, mm -hmm. right? So check your ego at the door. Exactly. <laughs> and the problem is if you're in this industry for 20 years, real estate, right? Uh -huh. You have to be humble enough to understand I'm successful. I've gone through certain things and I'm fortunate for where I am. I've obviously worked hard for it, but if you have that ego at 20 years old and some young person who wants mentorship asks you a question and you just completely ignore them or just, no, I'm better than you, mm -hmm. then that's when problems start occurring. That's when people want to, don't want to do business with you and then ultimately it leads to better business if you do things right. the right way. So just like on a team, leadership isn't because of ranks. It's because of the way you, you do things, the way you help other people. If you're, if you're the youngest person on the team, you're still able to lead in a certain way by the way you carry yourself, the, your actions, uh, and whatever you do, and if you're consistent. And the people that don't want to help others, the people that treat others badly because they, are, they believe they're above them just because of certain accomplishments, that's when problems start. And I've learned that no matter what level you're at, no matter what accomplishments you've gone through, there's always ways you're humbled 
And if you don't realize that, and I'm fortunate, I think I learned that uh, at a younger age through some experiences. And uh, I, I really, I really hope that I can spread that to other people. And I've just learned from from great people too. I love that. And uh, shout out to Coach Corbin, right? Yeah, Hats off no, to you. Absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. Julian, let's keep it going. This is great <laughs> stuff. So talk to me about uh, when you realized that you were going to make the shift, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to make the jump. You're, you're, you're <laughs> by me Marlins. Shout out to my Marlins. Uh, and you're like, hey, it's time to change. Uh, what was going through your mind? How did you come up? you know, just decide on real estate and sort of walk me through that, that thought process. So COVID hit and the opportunity or the, the option was either to, to do something or just every day I could have been continuous, just training. Mm-hmm. And the problem I had was you have hours in the day that if I just worked out and just did my baseball, it was like four or five hours in the day. And that still left me with hours and hours that I could spend bettering myself, doing something else that I enjoyed and I decided to, I, I did my real estate uh, course during during baseball season right before COVID. And then I took the exam as soon as COVID finished. So it was great timing. And then I also started getting my MBA right when COVID hit too. So I'm almost done with that in October, which it's flown by. It's been great. Um, but I could have, again, I could have just been focused on baseball and I look back and I'm I'm very happy that I did that because I did I I really love real estate I love always speaking with new people I love meeting new people, and I've been very fortunate in kind of the way I've approached it and I think it's it's ultimately going to be great, and I I really enjoy it so that I knew already during COVID that I enjoyed what I was doing very much and I was thinking about already switching out of baseball and um, I really decided going back to spring training this past month, I was like, Hey, let me give it one more shot. Let me just go. I've been playing this game since I was three years old. Let me just go enjoy it, have fun and, and leave it kind of all out there. Meet, see the guys again. And then if I, if anything changes, my mind changes, then okay. But if not, I'm comfortable going back to real estate. I've, I've let it all out on the field over 20, 20 years. So, um, I was ready to move on and I knew, really just during COVID, I was, as I was going through building kind of a real estate brand as a realtor, that I, I really enjoyed what I was doing. That's amazing. And, yeah. I, and I'm impressed as I'm hearing you talk. So like, there's no time in the day that's left, uh, you know, yeah. wasted getting your, your MBA, uh-huh. right? It's training, getting your real estate license. And I, you know, everything else that goes into just living. <laughs> I will know? tell you, I will tell you, my girlfriend might be bothered by the, <laughs> the crazy schedule because I, I do tend to really schedule my day and it's pretty filled. And uh, she she obviously wants to spend time with me, and we do. We spend plenty of time together, but I like keeping the days busy. So sure. speaking of scheduling your days and going back to like you know deconstructing the habits of really effective, high performing people, mm-hmm. do you feel like scheduling of your days has been something that you know all throughout your life has been critical to? Yeah. Right. No, absolutely, because you have to. I mean. Think about how going back to ethics and going back to doing the small things right. If you forget a meeting with somebody, it's another person. That's another person that took time out of their day to meet with you that that has a, a million important things going on. So if you don't schedule your day, you miss that meeting with that person. Me, I would feel terrible. And it's happened to me before. Don't get me wrong. But I would prefer scheduling my day to assure that doesn't happen. You know, And I think effective people don't mess up their schedule more consistently than other people because they take 
very great importance in making sure that every step of their day is is planned out and scheduled the right way so that those mishaps don't happen. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like, you know, the Outlook calendar or whatever email you use is your best friend, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, you know, checking that every... I actually write everything out every night before I go to for bed. For the next and, day. Yeah, because the uh, email, the actually Outlook and Google Calendar, people tell me to do it. And I've tried it and it just doesn't work out for me as much as just writing it out, yeah. which might be bad in the long run because you got to save the stuff. But I just have a big notebook that. Well, it's, it's, it's I, I mean, I like the idea of, you know, when you're sort of mental, uh, mentalizing, is that you know, visualizing your day that, you know, for the, the following day, I think having that written out and you sort of already understand this meeting and then you're doing that. And yeah. then, but for, for me too, I guess, as in, and probably many out there, once you're, booking many things especially in advance of course, yeah. you know if i don't have it on on the outlook then i'm triple booking myself <laughs> no, i get it i get it too especially you can't fill it you can only fill up the paper so much so. right when it comes to scheduling one of my favorite things is is the bulk scheduling mm -hmm. so one thing is you're you know you're writing out your list for the next day but i like to and i learned this from tim ferris which i was telling you about offline the the four hour work week so if I block off either in the morning or afternoon, two, three, four hours where I'm not looking at my email, I'm not answering the phone. Well, if it's, you know, cell phone, if it's important, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, and just focus on producing, you know, a big uh, high value work, mm -hmm. whether we're developing a new project or, uh, you know, you have to do something creative or it's research, but just really getting focused. Mm -hmm. Because if you have you know, if you're trying to do five things at once, you're going to do all of them, you know, not that yeah. well. Yeah, of course. And the bulk scheduling, I think, really allows, um, especially in the creative field, but I imagine, you know, from the, the business perspective, you to really produce some quality work. No, of course. And in real estate, I think that's huge, right? Because you're constantly, so there's blocks, or I believe it's called block scheduling, mm -hmm. where you just, you schedule something, I have 9 to 9.30 to do it, I have to get it done between that time, I'm on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So I believe that's extremely important. But in real estate especially, if you just get caught in that block scheduling and you never go into that time, like you said, to grow those hours mm -hmm. and set it aside, you're constantly stuck in those things that you're doing throughout the day and you're just repeating and repeating it. And then what's the next step? Right? right. You're just so busy with your days and then it almost feels like a nine to five job because right. you're just stuck. You're not growing. What are you doing that's providing passion? Right. Real estate's fun. I love what I'm doing daily, but then how am I improving myself? Am I waking up in the morning and just checking my phone and hanging out on social media, staying in bed, or am I getting up, I have my morning routine that allows me to be ready for the day and think about what I have to do in order to improve the day? Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think it comes down to like the, the value of the work, right? Because we can make ourselves busy going through your inbox and deleting things yeah. and replying, mm -hmm. and if you're doing that all day, sure, you can say, I'm, I'm, I'm so busy, I don't have any time, mm -hmm. But the reality is that that was like a $5 an hour, you know, function that you yeah. were doing. If you take the time and those who take the time to, as we're saying, block and develop, focus on uh, bettering themselves, of whether it be through taking an extra training or, you know, researching. Nowadays, you have YouTube Academy. I mean, you can learn things everywhere or you can go get a master's on your free time like yeah. you. But it's it comes down to continuing to grow and making that time for yourself. To do that a hundred percent yeah and, and as soon as you get comfortable with oh like i said a 20 year old 20 not 20 year old a 20 year veteran in this industry oh i'm comfortable and i know what i'm doing 
and then I don't want to learn to improve my business or I don't want to learn to see how I can relate more to the younger crowd. Mm -hmm. That's when you get in trouble. And I think that's so important to constantly grow and no matter what age you are, because you'll see that I think the healthiest minded people, once they're 80 years old, worked on something they love doing right. up to that point and then they're mentally still engaged. Right. And I think you see a lot of people that sometimes retire. Yeah, it's nice to retire. It's, it's nice to have less stress, but I think you want to find something now that you enjoy so so much that when it gets when you get to 80 years old, you get to the point that you can retire, you love it so much that you continue to do it because it's not a job, it's a passion. I love you know? it. Yeah. I love it. No good. So Julian, you decided to make the leap right um now looking back on that that's been about two years right is that correct since you first got your license or uh one year so you got it a year ago but then you decided full-time right you shifted full-time from baseball to to real estate about it's been like two weeks now to be honest congratulations yeah thank you (laughs) so what i wanted to ask you is um you know a lot of times you hear, so you get your license, um, you know, whether you, you study to do real estate or you're shifting from another profession, mm-hmm. but you get your license and it's like, now what? So tell me about you, you, you study for the course, right? Um, from the point that you decided to go get your license, sort of what do you wish you knew now, like mm-hmm. uh, that you told yourself a year ago or sort of what, um, what was that like and any uh, revelations? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, and friends asked me too, going back to before, what company should I start up with? How should I start out in real estate? And it's, it's really important. There's a recipe. I think the most important thing is mentorship. You want to find the right mentor. And yes, there's importance of brand and the company you work for. But in reality, starting out in real estate, no one really knows what you're doing. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to trust you with selling their house when you started out a week going into it. So you can work for the best companies and then not have a mentor that's helping you through it because you really have no idea what you're doing when you start out either. Mm -hmm. So I would tell people, find the right mentor and it might not be the best company brand wise, but you're going to learn what it actually takes and the ins and outs of going through real estate. And I'm, I mean, I'm still learning that and said, has been great with me. And when I initially started out, you, you tend to be on your own a little bit and you have questions for people and you want to make sure that you find the right mentor that's that's really going to take you on and that's what i think is the most important thing and you learn to do it the right way because there's a lot of things that come up that really slow down the process and when you're dealing with a client you can't necessarily have those questions and not be able to answer them when you are asked by your client because that immediately can hurt your image so i think that was the biggest thing for me and then another thing is the importance of telling other people what you're doing. But now, again, times are changing. So there's the importance of the media, right? There's In real estate, there's a lot of very bad marketing, I think, with, with social media, videos. And it's a little <laughs> bit old school, right? So, so something now that I think it's been a week and a half or two that I'm fully back, I really want to start getting into to good videos, mm-hmm. to, to making... Um, good social media posts, whatever it be, may be, but getting with up to date when it comes to what videographers are doing. Sure. Because that's so important. Like you said, you want to survive with crypto, with how the media is going and the different advances in technology. That's so important with realtors too now because it's your business. You're reaching other people and people 
are now on social media and phones and computers more than ever. Absolutely. Um, and and I let you, I mean, I agree 100% with your thought process. I mm-hmm. think you're spot on when it comes to doing it the right way too. And, and so social media and whether it's videos or, you know, posts or whatnot, just doing it is not enough anymore, right? And people are always making decisions and judging your brand or what you're posting. And, and it sort of either improves your brand or, or d- it takes away from it. Yeah. So if you're posting low quality images or, or video that is just, you know, cheesy, ch- cheesy yeah. or, you know, poorly produced, I mean, it's, it actually then it can just hurt you. So it's important to, to, to do it the right way. Yeah, just adjustments, making adjustments. And it's not the easiest thing. I had a, had a really good friend of mine who she said when I started out in real estate, why aren't you posting on Instagram? And I, honestly, I was never a person that <laughs> wanted to post anything on social media unless it was, I mean, a very simple post. But she's like, you got to post, you got to post. And what starts happening is you start to see it actually affect your business and people reaching out to you and knowing what you're doing again because you're doing it the right way. You're mm-hmm. not just promoting it because you want to make sales, but because right. you want to educate people and you have built friendships that trust you. And it's funny because she told me that and I started posting and it's led to people reaching out and ultimately sales, which is awesome. And uh, now I I really, I feel like when the times that I do that less, there's less business and mm-hmm. I see the correlation. So I think it's very, very important that you keep posting, you keep getting out there in different ways, whatever it may be, but that's vital. Absolutely, and I, and, I, and I think having that right content mix, that balance of, you know, you're not always selling, right? It's, it's uh, sometimes you're providing value with information um, or media that you share, uh, and then other times you're positioning yourself and, and just also showing who you are as a human. So I think having that, that healthy mix is, is great, but I'm glad to hear that. And then, um, so Julian, you were talking about the, uh, so the, the concept of being prepared right before you go, because one thing is creating that awareness and then you're getting the calls, but then you talked about wanting to have the ability to answer the questions, right? Yeah. And sort of take a buyer or seller through the journey. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, uh, you would say, like the critical things that you were like, you know, and from your experience, like I got to make sure I know that before they ask. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 24, right? And I go into a meeting and there's people like anything you're, you're dealing with people and meeting people now, forties, fifties, I've been in this industry for a very long time. And then they just immediately, they look at you and they think you're younger. They think you might, you might not know what you're saying. And you have to be prepared because they ask you a question. One, you want to ultimately have them it's not a sort of respect, but just understand that you know what you're doing. You're supposed to be there because you've done the work, you've researched, you put in the time, whatever it may be, the property. If it's something as simple as you're showing a client who is much older than you, but they trusted you and they ask you certain questions about why this deal makes sense, you're able to tell them, this is why, this is where it's gonna be in two years, this is where it is now. And if you don't do that and you're 24 years old, again, that could really hurt your brand, your image. And I mean, you just, you want to do that for your client, regardless of what age you are. And you have a degree in economics from Vanderbilt, as I mentioned earlier, how do you, I imagine that's helped, right? And when you're talking about, you know, looking at numbers and assessing and and sort of uh, creating a package for your client. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it just goes back to just, just simple real estate, right? So understanding if this property is right now overpriced, if it's overvalued and the market right now in Miami is crazy, so it is a little difficult to understand that line between overpriced and 
and if it does make sense with the market, right? So it's really, and then also where you're at. So if it's overpriced and you still, you're able to, to buy it for the right price, then is it gonna stay there in a year or two and understanding in X amount of time what's gonna happen to that property? So I think it's really just looking at common sense numbers, which going back to it, I think there's, there's really, there tends to be sometimes two types of realtors and I think you see that kind of a little bit in Miami that you see realtors that just sell based on appearance and it's a great scene, but <laughs> you want to be able to do, and then there's the other that, that I think is more numbers based, relationships based. I think if you're able to do both, that's very special and important. Um, but if you're just doing one or the other, I think you're, you're hurting your client right. and ultimately your business too. Well, and I think, and you know, just to build on earlier with the concept of the mentorship being extremely important, mm-hmm. part of it too is, you know, whether you're going with a company uh, brokerage with a huge brand or a small brand, ultimately, I think as we talk about like the future, the, the, it's really in the realtors building their own brand. You know, they could have the backing of a great brand, which is great, but you're building your own personal brand. So I think it's something that social media and the right guidance and advice and mentorship will help you do successfully. Without a doubt, yeah, it's it's so important because I mean, this relationship, I think baseball-wise, just the friendships I've had. Those guys are gonna be, I hope, my friends just from how we've interacted over years and years for the rest of my life. And it's it's invaluable, you know, it really is. The relationships you have are, I think, everything in life. And I mean, a guy can call me up at any time and I'll be there for him. And those guys, the same thing. I feel like I can call them up, whatever it is, and, and they'll be there for me. And I think that if I could take that into real estate, that would be extremely special with a client. And rather not think of them as, as clients, but friendships you create. I love that. I couldn't yeah. have said it better. You know, building relationships, not clients. I think yeah. that's that's what the industry is built on. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me about what, you know, for your friends, uh, you know, those out there and, you know, customers that you work with. How do you view the market right now with all this excitement, all this attention on Miami? Mm-hmm. What, what's, you know, what's the state of the market right now? It's definitely, it's, it's the only way to say it, it's insane right now because there's such such high demand for everything in Miami, if it's technology, hedge funds, VC firms, and then just houses, right? So it's exciting, it's exciting how much demand there is, and uh, hopefully the supply can, can eventually come up with it, and that's good for us, you know? It, it, right. really doesn't, it really doesn't affect us, but I think this is gonna be another five years of just such high demand, because it's just, if you look at market trends after, uh, a hurricane, whatever it may be, it's an earthquake, tsunami. Mm-hmm. It reacts very similar to what's going on with COVID. Right. And the market's going to trend back into certain uh, responses like those like those hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever natural disaster may be. And I think that's the way that we approach this, especially in real estate. Yeah. More with Julian after the break. Clapping it up here with Julian Infante on the Miami Real Estate Podcast. This is another installment of How to Be a Top Producer. We're getting some amazing insights from you, Julian. I love what you're saying. Applying the philosophy, the ethos, the the culture of a high-performing baseball athletes and that leadership and and sort of uh, you know cultivating a culture, uh, a winning philosophy, relying on mentors checking your ego at the door, doing all this amazing stuff that you need to do to succeed as a realtor. Uh, So let's get some more from you. Um, We were just talking about the excitement, the all eyes on Miami, right? Demand is through the roof. I was um, talking to an associate 
a couple days ago, put together a presentation for clients, available properties. By the time they went to go look at them the next day, all had offers yeah. are pending. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, it's that it's that intense, right? And now Formula One is coming next year. That's going to be even more exciting for another 10 years. Got a contract that's like Art Basel level impact. What do you yeah. think about Formula One? Uh, I'm excited. I actually had a friend I was working out with uh, in the in the off season, so about a year ago for baseball, and and he is from Spain. He was training here in Miami, so I spoke with him a little bit about it, and it, it's exciting. It's gonna it's another thing that's coming to Miami that's just gonna draw thousands and thousands of more people. So for real estate, that's just it's extremely exciting. Right, mm-hmm. and um, excitingly, you know, Aston Martin Residences, one of the projects, yeah. uh, new construction uh, represented by Cervera. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna get some tickets from them, right? To get, yeah. get yeah. to uh, um, so. <laughs> the yeah, <I> hope so. <laughs> that should be fun. Uh, so talk to me, Julian, about, um, you know, as we wind this down, we, we talked about the attention on Miami, but it's also one of the most competitive markets for realtors. There's over 50,000 mm-hmm. uh, in the association. So what do you think as, you know, as we move forward, what does it take to stand out from the crowd mm-hmm. and be successful in this new environment? In real estate, that's why relationships are so important because in real estate, the great deals, I feel like a lot of them are off market, right? So you're able to really create deals through the relationships that you have. And I've seen that a little bit in my experience so far. I've, you have to go out and talk to people. Let's say I have a buyer who wants to live in a certain area. You have to do the work and go, so maybe knock on doors, find out who lives there and see if they're interested in, in selling. And that's how deals are created. Um, that's what makes a difference in real estate, especially when it's competitive, because not everyone does that. Some people just look on the market, that's the house. and. That might not always be the best deal for their client. So I've, I've experienced that. And then the other thing is you have to be comfortable with failing because again, it's very competitive. And I think my time in baseball showed me that failure is okay and it's gonna happen a lot and a lot and a lot. And you have to be able to move on. So what, it happened, yeah, it hurts, but mm-hmm. you learn from it and move to the next property, next whatever, maybe client, because sometimes clients go, uh, you're working with them for a year and they're like, eh, no, I don't want to buy a house or I don't want to sell my property anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You have to deal with it because that's what your client wants. And that's now you ultimately just have to maybe get some hints before that happens. Right. But you learn from it. And, and those are the differences. So it's like failing hard, but taking a learning lesson oh, from yeah. it, right? Building course, on it. I course. like that. And you know, it's interesting, like you mentioned about, you know, going out there and doing the homework knocking. Uh, some, the other day someone said to me, you um, ask for what you want. You know, it was actually what, it was like a, a saying on, on this card. And I was like, oh, that's pretty, you know. Law of attraction. Yeah, yeah, exactly, the law of attraction. So, and, and you know, do it the right way. But I think if you don't put it out there or make the effort, you know, you can't get that back from the universe. Of course, no, without a doubt. And I mean, some people, are at the point where they're thinking about, let's say it's selling or, or buying, and then you ask them, and that might be the the deciding factor, and you're not doing it with bad intentions, but if you don't go and, and make the effort and put yourself out there, you never know, it might never happen. So just sales in general, you have to be comfortable with speaking to people in, in settings that you're not necessarily used to or comfortable with, but eventually you develop that that comfort that you might not have had in the past. Right, right, right. Yeah, so get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Julian, final thoughts for those out there that are considering 
jumping into the Miami real estate game, whether it's a second home and producing property or they were going to move here full time. Why do you love Miami? Why will they love it? I've been here my whole life. I've lived in different places. I've lived in great cities and I ultimately always get drawn back to Miami and I'll have friends that they'll go somewhere. They'll go to New York, Nashville, uh, LA, whatever it may be. They always end up back in Miami and uh, it's just different. The people here, there's people from all over. Um, there's just so much opportunity. I mean, things are open, <laughs> tax breaks. Investment right now, if you're buying an investment property in Miami, that's the way to do it because there's such high demand. Rents are through the roof. So, I mean, you wanna, you wanna invest, you can invest in the stock market. It's a little riskier right now with just how the market's growing, or you could put your money, a down payment on a property and have somebody paying your mortgage. So I think that's extremely important. And there's really just nothing like Miami. I love it. It's, it's where I've grown up and I can't see myself living in anywhere else. Um, and I, I feel a lot of people would see that once they experienced it, that there's nowhere else like this. I couldn't have said it better. I think have your real estate work for you, right? And yeah. there's no better place to have it work for you than Miami. Right now, exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, you, come, you come into money and you want to put it into the stock market, right? There's somebody else managing your money. And some, there, there are people that are very talented at, at, putting, at putting your money in different stocks, funds, whatever it may be. But the growth is very limited, right? So you, put your, your, you buy a $300,000 apartment, you put 60 down, and then, yeah, you might not live in it, you rent it out, but you're making cash flow on each, each payment that you're receiving from your tenant. And that's the way you want to grow your money, I believe. Then you can take out money on that property, buy another one and do the same. Now you have two properties right? and you're exponentially increasing your money rather than sitting it in a bank account and it's growing, best case scenario, 10%. But the market, like I said before, is very volatile. So you, and you really don't know. You mm -hmm. really don't know how the market's going to respond. Real estate, especially below the median, is always going to be a certain value which I believe is very important. I agree. And then and now there's also, you know, different product offerings that are really just ideally tailored to, uh, as you were talking about having the tenant. I mean, you have things like Nativo, for example, that's licensed and built for mm -hmm. home sharing. Yeah. Right. So you kind of have the best of both worlds. You have it managed or you're using it when you're here in Miami. Exactly. Um, so and, and, you know, there's other there's many opportunities out there. But I think when you talk about the other thing you said that I like is when you talk about that appreciation, mm -hmm. um, interesting stat from the Miami World Report, I think it was 2018, we'll, we'll fact check that, but um, <laughs> Miami condominiums built between 1995 and uh, 2000, sorry, Miami condominiums built after 1995 had appreciated 229% mm -hmm. over the course of uh, 20 years. So up to, at that point, it was, it was 2018. Yeah, wow. Uh, which is an average, I think, of 9% year over year, including the time of, of the recession. So mm -hmm. when you talk about the, uh, the upward... Yeah, and if you're combining that appreciation with, again, a tenant paying your mortgage, that's ideal. That's, that's how people get wealthy, you know? It's not... Unless you're an absolute freak in the stock market, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's that way. It's growing with different properties and then that's, that's investment that'll last forever. Your family can deal with. You could retire with comfortably and still be making money rather than just pulling it out. And this, it takes a lot of money to retire. It really does and it's something I think I'm, I'm seeing now uh, because let's say you retire with a million dollars at 60 years old and you don't have anything else making you money, that runs out. 
That's mm -hmm. very little money annually that you have to live on if you want to live another 20 years. So things to think about and something that I'm trying to tell my parents out with now, especially, and then hopefully myself out so that I can help my kids out when it's their time to to experience everything and hopefully take care of me right. when I get to that age. So, <laughs> long ways away, but just the way I think now as I approach all these different investments or deals. So I think as um, as as we, we close it up, uh, what final thoughts do you have for the listeners, specifically realtors, uh, new or new or uh, experience? You know, what what do you say to those that um, tips for success from you know someone as yourself who's just been around so much of it in, in different uh, fields? Yeah, uh, I would say, I mean, immediately going to going back to just be genuine, just be a real person, have good intentions because that ultimately lasts. And it's not just real estate. It's not just whatever, whatever business you're in and, and everything. If you're genuine, you're a real person, you have good interests, good intentions, then it's going to lead to success. You're doing things the right way. You're, if you're working, if you're working hard and you have the right mindset and the right intentions, it's going to lead to success. Um, now you still want that mentorship and you want to be able to, to learn the right way. I think that's also very, very important. And that goes back to doing things the right way. If you're, you really have the best interest in your client then ultimately you're going to be successful i like it so we're going to leave it there folks this was a conversation with julian infante here on the miami real estate podcast julian you're an amazing person i enjoyed Thank speaking you. with you i wish you much success i know you're going to see a lot of it in your future i appreciate it I had a great time so ladies and gentlemen from miami where the future is always bright we'll see you next time